What if I told you that the answer to some of your most pressing questions as a marketer or leader is a really good story? My name is Kelly Parker, and after spending over a decade bringing stories to life as a speaker, writer, and corporate marketer, I'm here to show you the easy way to create your own stories that connect, break through the clutter, and bring in cold, hard cash. Right here on Business Storytelling Made Easy. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me today. It's so exciting and feels so good to be back. Today is episode 57, five lessons I learned about storytelling from TEDx. So if you didn't know, I did do my first TEDx talk this year in March of 2022. I participated in TEDx Box Street, which is located in the Akron, Ohio area. And I got to tell you, this was such a powerful experience and it was just a whole situation I will never forget. So just to give you a little bit of background, I'm sure you've probably heard of TED or TEDx or probably watched a TEDx or TED talk on YouTube at some point in time, but TED is not a person. Fun fact, TED is actually a nonprofit organization devoted to spreading ideas. And so their tagline is ideas worth spreading. And it all began at a conference where, and the quote is, where technology, entertainment, and design converged. And so that's what TED is and what it stands for, technology, entertainment, and design. And what the TED organization became known for is their short, powerful talks. And the requirement is that your talk needs to be 18 minutes or less. And all of this began at a conference in 1984 and kind of grew from there. And within that path of growth, uh, within local communities, community leaders began to desire to hold their own TED events. And that's where TEDx was born. So TEDx events are geared toward specific communities and they're independently organized by people in that community. So as I said, I participated in TEDx Box Street and it was led and uh, it just came to life through a local hub of community leaders, which, um, you know, as I watched them organize, they did a phenomenal job and it was just a powerful experience. And so... Uh, the thing about TEDx is they're independently organized. And so what that means is they all look a little bit different. The application process to participate is a little bit different. You really have the opportunity in a lot of regards to make it your own. And that was one of the things that I definitely enjoyed about this experience because, honey, there was hot lunch. You know, I love to eat. There was live music. Like it was a whole vibe. It was a whole mood. And I was just here for it. <laughs> I was just here for the whole entire thing. And so, but I, what I did want to share with you today is lessons that I learned about story, mostly from listening to the other speakers' stories. There were four main speakers. And as I sat back and listened to them, there were a lot of kind of aha moments I had about story that I want to share. And then also just some tips or things that came to mind for me as I was preparing to give my talk. So in our situation, we were told that our talk needed to be 12 minutes or less. So that was kind of our stipulation. The other thing is, and I believe this is consistent across the board, you cannot have notes. And I didn't even have slides. 
So I walked on the stage and like physically I had nothing but my memory. I did not have a confidence monitor. I did not have no, I had nothing. Um, and so I want to share a little bit about what that experience was like as well. All right. So let's get into it. Five things that I learned about storytelling from TEDx. So number one, what's personal is universal. What's personal is universal. So full disclosure, I did not come up with this statement. I heard one of my coaches, Heather, say it the other day and I was like, yeah, we're going to take that. We're going to appropriate that on today. And um, let me explain to you what I mean. So one of the speakers shared a story about, um, to give a little background about her, she's a very accomplished, very um, held highly in high regard at her role. She works within a healthcare system. And um, she actually had an accident at home and she cut herself late one Saturday night. So you know how it is when you're at home minding your business, you got on your house clothes and you are set physically and how you look to stay in for the night and you kind of look at such, right? So she has this accident, she cuts her finger, she needs to go to the emergency room. And so she heads up to the emergency room and basically as they're treating her, they kind of take a look at her and they ask her, they learn that she works at that particular healthcare system and they ask her, oh, are you, do you work in um, basically the cleaning? Like, are you like a maid or a janitor? Do you clean here? Was the question that they asked her. So, you know, here we go, sizing people up by what we think they look like. You don't understand that she has a PhD. You don't understand that she's a key leader within this organization. You've made an assumption based on how she looks, right? And so she kind of used that story as a vehicle to begin to share about how often things like that happen um, within our workplaces. So what I loved about her ability to tell this story, she got very specific. She talked about having a bonnet on her head. And if you are a woman of color, you, you understand about that, right? <laughs> she talked about having on an old t-shirt. She talked about um, just her, her full appearance so that as the audience, we could get this full imagery of what that would look like. And when we get specific and when we tell personal stories like that, on the one hand, it might feel like, well, I'm being too personal. I'm being too specific. Like that was just my experience on that Saturday night. Like I don't want to go that deep into it. That was personal for me. Yet when we get personal and, and we get specific, what it allows us to do is to create some very concrete imagery. By concrete, I mean specific, like things that you can visualize in your mind. And once you can visualize, it gives your audience the opportunity to personalize, right? It gives them the opportunity to personalize for themselves and kind of put themselves in that situation. So when I say personal is universal, you know, I've not um, had that experience of cutting my finger and having to go to the emergency room. I've never had that experience, but I have been at home kind of not looking my best, right? And then had to go out into the community unexpected and kind of unsure about how I'm going to be perceived or maybe had not been perceived the, um, the way I would have liked or, you know, you, you just kind of tell people are looking at you differently because of, of how, how you look. Right. So because she was able to be personal with that story, 
I was able to identify with it, even though I didn't have the full experience in totality. And so as we're able to be personal, it allows us to be more specific, which helps us be more concrete. So then it helps us to create a journey for our audience so they can come along with us, right? So it's an important question to ask yourself, what are some specific or, you know, personal experiences or kind of imagery that I've experienced that I can begin to infuse that will help people come along on this storytelling journey with me. Um, There's a book called Made to Stick, and I might have mentioned it before, but it's called Made to Stick, and the authors are Chip and Dan Heath. The subtitle of the book is Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. And actually, one of the characteristics they call out is story. That story is a way to um, really blow up your ideas and help people to crystallize that in their mind. But another concept that they talk about is the idea of something being concrete. When something is very specific and you can grab hold to it, you can see it in your mind. It's almost like you can feel it between your fingers. That's a way that ideas stick with people. That's a way that ideas resonate with people. So just an encouragement to think about how you can be even more specific and personalize your stories and understand that that will um, help to have the effect that you're looking for. So number one, I learned and I felt like it was just further highlighted for me that what's personal is universal. A lot of times when we dare to be vulnerable, it draws people to us. Here's lesson number two. In sitting, listening to other folks tell their stories. Another lesson that I learned is the power of the mirror experience. The power of the mirror experience. So one of the speakers began to talk about um, her son. And she talked about him being born. And it seemed like from birth, he was a very picky eater that there were things that he didn't want to eat and it just began to be this whole ordeal. And really what she began to highlight and what she learned through this story that she lived is that he wasn't just a picky eater, he had an eating disorder. And within sharing about her story, she began to highlight her feelings of inadequacy Um, And the struggles that she was having as a parent, as a mom, as a caregiver, as, as much as you love your child, you can't do this one basic thing. You can't even feed them. And what I noticed sitting there is that although I have never had that particular experience with my kid in terms of them being so picky that it turned into an eating or they actually have an eating disorder, what I could recognize was the emotional journey that she was going through. What I could recognize was the feelings of inadequacy as a mother and questioning what in the world am I doing and how come what I'm doing isn't working, right? So yes, I somewhat recognize and identify with the picky eater thing, but it was really on that deeper level when she dared to kind of peel back the hood on the emotions behind that story That's really what stuck with me. And because of that, what I experienced is called the mirror experience. Two gentlemen named Robert McKee and Thomas Grace really were the first to kind of coin this phrase. 
And what the mirror experience is, is when the audience can put themselves in the shoes of the main character because either they've had that experience before or they can easily see themselves having it. And so what I noticed sitting there, there was a moment as she told that story where it switched from her as the main character to in my mind, it was me as the main character. In my mind, it was me visualizing how I would feel in this scenario that she's sharing about. And also me thinking about unrelated things in the past that have caused me to feel the same way. So again, it's the power of story to help your audience personalize and actually join and participate with you in what you're saying or what you're showing to them. And it also brings out this point. So now that I'm feeling like I'm the main character and I'm emotionally vested, I want whatever solution you're getting ready to offer, right? Like I'm hoping you're getting ready to unveil something that will help me alleviate either this situation and also on a deeper level, alleviate the feelings that come with the situation. And so as we tell stories, understand you're not just telling it for the benefit of perhaps you as the main character or whoever the story is about. But hopefully if you've dialed into the key problems and the key desires of your audience, they are actually visualizing themselves as the main character and hoping as, you know, kind of being a part of this experience, they're going to experience a victory or a resolution on the end that you're going to help them solve that problem and alleviate that negative feeling. The power of the mirror experience. All right. Lesson number three. What's another lesson I learned as being a part of TEDx? It is this. Identify the villain. Identify the villain. One of the things that we were encouraged to do as we were outlining our talks was to identify the villain. Every good story has a villain. It's someone who's impeding the progress or the pursuits of the main character. It's an antagonist. It's someone or something that throws up roadblocks to your progress. And in thinking of my talk this way, it really highlighted for me once again that whenever we're communicating, we need to maximize opportunities to play up the villain. Any narrative that's really good has to have tension. It can't just be you woke up, you stretched, you got in the shower, <laughs> you went to work, everything was great, and then you went back to sleep. Hmm, like, that's, that's a snooze, right? It's boring. Really, the way that we draw people in is we create tension. And tension doesn't always have to be this big bad wolf kind of thing. There are plenty of ways that we can create tension. It can sometimes be tension within ourselves. You know, that phrase where we're our own worst enemy. So even thinking about in what ways is my audience their own worst enemy? What are the villains, the internal villains in their life? Could it be lack of confidence? Could it be a particular fear that they're feeling? And sometimes giving voice to and articulating 
those villains in people's lives that we rarely talk about is a very powerful way to get their attention. Calling out some of those things that they really are afraid of or really are plaguing them. And they maybe they don't, they don't know what to do about it, but maybe you have a solution. Oh, I, I bet they'd be willing to listen to something like that. So there's a lot of power in identifying villains and playing it up or the villain could be the status quo. It could be, what if nothing changes? What if no progress is made? What does life look like then? What kind of roadblocks would that create for you then? And then beginning to articulate that and play that out and paint a picture of what that villain really looks like and being concrete in what that villain really looks like and it creates a lot of interest when you describe the villains in people's lives they stand or sit at attention their ears perk up because they hope that you will be the one to help them defeat a very real struggle that they're having identify the villain. So what is the fourth lesson that I learned as participating in TEDx? It is this, facts and stories make the perfect couple. They are like a happily married couple sitting on their porch, their wraparound porch, sipping lemonade in the evening sun, okay? They have been a happy couple for a long time. Facts and stories are the perfect couple. I'll explain what I mean. So when we tell a story, we often pull on the emotional heartstrings, whether it's, it could be funny. It could be just kind of intriguing and get your attention. It could be very, um, make people very reflective and maybe, you know, emotional in that sort of way, even teary-eyed. Should we've all heard stories like that? So that's kind of our pathway into the brain, right? Now we're getting their attention. And now that I've got your attention, now I can hit you with a fact or a figure or a statistic that helps me build my credibility and helps you heighten the idea that, hey, you can trust me. Okay. So let's go back to the story um, that I was explaining in the beginning about the fellow speaker who's um, a, a professional, high ranking professional within her role at her healthcare system. And she's experiencing this discrimination. And she actually went on to share that even within her care, she experienced discrimination and her concerns about her care were not listened to, et cetera, et cetera. So Let's pretend that she has told that story. She can tell it and then she can say something like, but I'm not the only one. In fact, 85% of higher level healthcare professionals said they'd experienced discrimination based on their appearance in the past year. Now, I made that statistic up. I don't know if it's true. I don't even know if you could prove something like that. But the idea is, I'm telling the story. I'm hooking you in. You're tracking with me. I'm using very concrete language that you can visualize. 
Um, hopefully I'm speaking to an audience who could even identify with the experience I'm talking about. So they're kind of mirroring me and feeling like, you know, it's them in the experience. Hopefully all of that's happening as well. And now that I've done all that, I can hit you with this fact, right? And really the story helps to punctuate and highlight that fact. And it gives the fact something to hang on is the way I like to describe it. So when I think of that statistic in general, I'm more so likely to think of the story than, than the statistic. But when I think about that story, I will be reminded of what it illustrates. I'll be reminded of the truth that it showed me. So one question that I often hear is, okay, I should, I should tell stories. And this is particularly, you know, if you're actually speaking, like you're a workshop leader or a keynote speaker or something. Okay. I'm supposed to tell stories. Okay. But when do I tell the stories or how do I do something like that? You can always think about how to marry your facts and your stories together. So if you have a statistic or some, you know, um, something that you've researched that you really want to land on and drive home. Okay. What is a scenario that I could paint very clearly, very, very specifically that would lead me perfectly to talking about this fact or this statistic that I want to bring to light. And that's a way to, to marry the two worlds. And it's cool because we're emotional um, people and we're also lot, we want to be logical as well. And so it kind of satisfies both parts of the brain. So it's a very powerful um, way to utilize storytelling and to also showcase your um, level of knowledge and your expertise about an area. The other thing too, is when you just have straight facts and figures, it can be boring. Okay. I think we all know that to be true. So the cool thing about infusing stories is it begins to break it up and create some interest for your audience. All right. Now we have made it to lesson number five that I learned as being a part of TEDx. And it is this avoid over practicing. This is particularly if you are, you know, verbally delivering a story, you are speaking, you are on a stage, you are, you know, leading a session or a workshop or something like that. There is a such thing as over practicing. And as much as I champion practicing and saying the words out loud before you say them in front of an audience, I certainly experienced over practicing. So this is what I mean. Like I said, we could not have any notes, which unless you can avoid it, I really don't, I don't advocate that. I think you should at least have some notes um, so that you don't have to memorize. However, in this situation, I kind of had to memorize because of, you know, the rules and the parameters. So anyway, because of that, honey, I was walking around this house every day, multiple times a day. So my talk starts with, do you remember the first time you heard a really good story to the point where my kids would run for me? I would just walk up to them and just start saying it. Do you remember the first time you heard a really good story? And I'd be like, oh gosh, like, what is the matter with her? Like I had them sitting down, um, listening to it <laughs> over and over, which was helpful. I will say though, we had a dry run the day before the actual talk and we were asked to run through our talk two times on the stage like from beginning to end 
And as we talked about it later, we all agreed, all the speakers agreed, like running through it two times, it was too much. By that second time, we were drained. We were not even really able to connect anymore. We were in our heads. We were, it was just too much. And so actually the day of, we didn't get on the stage and practice at all. Our first time doing it on that particular day was like for real, like no dry runs, like just doing it for real. And I feel like that was so beneficial. I felt like on that day, it was like a great combination of all the preparation I had put in all of that time. And I didn't, I didn't drain myself by doing a whole bunch of practicing on that particular day before it was showtime. So I think in general, I think the lesson is to rely on your command of the subject matter versus this perfect delivery of every single detail and every single, you know, word for word type of thing. The thing to keep in mind is as you know the subject, the words are going to flow, right? Right. Nine times out of 10, you're not going to have to memorize something. So just thinking about having the command of the subject. And of course, you're going to do your due diligence to prepare. I'm not saying that. But stand confidently in your command of the subject and try not to get in your head about the details of all the rest of the stuff. So my five lessons from being a part of TEDx are what's personal is universal. The power of the mirror experience Identify the villain. Facts and stories are the perfect couple. And number five, beware of overpracticing. So if you want to check out my TEDx talk, which is titled, wait for it, Business Storytelling Made Easy, just like the podcast. See what I did there? (laughs) Head to YouTube and you can search my name, Kelly Parker and TEDx. You could put in the title Business Storytelling Made Easy and it should come up. Um, You can also head to my website, kellydparker.com. And for the show notes for this episode, I will drop the link to my talk there. All right. See you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to Business Storytelling Made Easy. If you found this content valuable, make sure you share it with a friend or colleague. And as always, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Bye.